All right. You guys can be seated. Uh, this is awkward, huh? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's a little bit awkward. This is like our, uh, our first date. Um, it's a blind date, but I knew what you looked like. You didn't know what I looked like. And so uh, you went from this five foot five blonde firecracker on stage to this uh, giant bald meathead. Okay, so I am extremely sorry, uh, but I'll do the best that I can, okay? Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a good time. And so, man, I, I, I know this, this is weird. And so hopefully you invite me back to a, a second date and we'll, we'll hang out some more. Uh, I'll take you to a little bit nicer place next week. So, um, but so my name is Andrew Matron. Like Connor said, I, I, I've been a youth pastor here uh, for about nine years now. And, and so God's been doing a lot of cool things. And it's been a really exciting time in, in our lives. And God has just changed the trajectory of our lives. And I'll share a little bit more at the end of where our lives were going, but how God redeemed us in a moment and redeemed our family. And to stand up on this stage um, is a moment for me of redemption. And so, so excited to be here with you guys. I'm, I'm going to jump right into... Uh, the message, is that cool? So I'm going to read out of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. If you're there, say I'm there. If you got your Bible, say I got my Bible. Bible. Give someone a Bible high five. Come on. Let's get excited. All right, so I'm going to be reading out of Mark chapter 5, verse 21. You ready? Here we go. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, that's a cool name, come on, Jairus, came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. There's kind of a lot of verses, so bear with me, all right? <clears throat> a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Amen. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. At once, Jesus realized the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened, well, what had happened was Jesus was like, sorry. I'm there, you know, I'm like trying to like be cool for you guys. All right, guys, I even try to like lose a few pounds. I'm like, I don't want to be like chubby on stage for my first time. All right, Continue. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to him, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but sleep, asleep. But they laughed at him and he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up 
and began walking around. At this, they were completely astonished. Tonight, I want to talk about the process that precedes the promise. The process that precedes the promise and how that process, more times than not, looks a little bit different than you might want it to look. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you so much for this house, uh, well, this room of the house of Red Rocks Church. Lord, I thank you for this ministry. God, I thank you for uh, Jesse Davis and going before. God, I thank you for the hundreds, thousands of hours of, of tears and prayers Blood, sweat, and tears that she poured into this place, Lord. So, God, I thank you for Jesse Davis and what she's meant to this place, God. And I pray, Lord, that I can just be an extension now of what you've been doing through her in this ministry, Lord. God, be with us tonight, Lord. We welcome you to this room. We ask all of your name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Question Have you ever waited so long for something that you finally just gave up on it? Come on, you waited so long for something, you finally gave up on it. Some of you ladies are like, yeah, my freaking boyfriend, okay? <laughs> Dear Lord, for the love of God, okay? Been dating for three years now. Been throwing a lot of hints out there. Okay. I remember uh, when my wife was, was pregnant, okay? She was nine months pregnant, and she, she was actually a week past her due date, okay? And if there's a female that is a week past her due date, like, you kind of stay away, all right? You, 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 you let them have their life, and you stay away. You kind of stay out of their business. And this was, I was thinking about, this was actually three years ago today, okay? So three years ago today, this story took place. And so my wife, she's a week past due date, and it's a Sunday, and so we had been at church all day, and it was Super Bowl Sunday, so it was the night that the Broncos took home the ship. Come on, eh? Yeah, I'm actually a Cowboys fan. I know, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Dang it. First date, jitters, you don't say things like that, all right? So it was, she was nine months pregnant, it was a Sunday, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and we just stayed at home because we were tired, and we were so exhausted, like, screaming at the TV all night long, and we got to a place that that night, we literally said to each other, like, dude, if, if Abram came tonight, like, this would be the worst possible night for him to come to this earth, because we are absolutely so stinking tired. So, you know how that works. So we're laying there, and it's probably about 11 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden, Jerrica's like, babe, I'm having some contractions. I'm like, well, stop. <laughs> stop them. I don't know. She's like, no, they're, they're, like, they're, they're getting really bad. I'm like, okay. And, and, and they're like getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, and, and she's like, babe, you got to call the doctor and see who should go in. So I call the doctor. And the doctor's like ticked that I'm calling her late at night. And she's like, yeah, she'd probably bring her in. And so we're, we're sitting there. We're like packing the bags. And, and Jerrica's like, babe, I literally feel like Abram's going to fall out of me. I'm like, No! Do not. I will not deliver this child. I refuse to. I left. Made her deal with it. So, so we decide. We go ahead and we, we get in the car. And, 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 and Jerrica's like, babe, you need to drive faster. I'm like, I'm already going 90 miles per hour down Wadsworth. She's like, no, you need to go faster. So I'm going about like 105. And, and all of a sudden, she's like, babe, slow down. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Look, when, when, when a woman is going into, into delivery, she is a different species, okay? They have a, a live human trying to come out of them, all right? They are a different kind of species. So anyways, dear Lord. So we finally, we get to uh, Littleton Aventus Hospital, and we get there, 
and the nurse is kind of checking her out, and the whole process is really stinking weird. For fellas, the whole thing's just really weird, okay? So I'm there, and, and the nurse is checking around, and she's like, you know, actually, you're not as far along as we thought that you were. And, and so this is probably about like one o'clock in the morning at this point, and we're just kind of sitting in the room, and, and her, contract, her, her contractions are getting really, really bad, and, and she didn't have an epidurals, and so it was just like getting really, really intense, and, and she, was, she was like getting really upset, and I'm, and I'm, I'm getting tired because I'm coaching her, like I'm doing a lot of work, I'm coaching her really well. Wow. Um, and so it's getting like really late at night. It's probably about 430 in the morning and she, she hates her life. And, and so do I. And, and, and I'm sitting there, you know, when you're so tired, like your, your eyelids are so heavy and it's like the greatest feeling in the world when you're like, oh, I could just crash anywhere right now. So I'm like, oh Lord, cause I feel her just like staring at me, you know? And I'm like, and finally, like, I can't, my, my body just overtakes, and, and my eyes shut. I swear, my eyes were probably shut for 2.3 seconds, and all I hear is, are you serious? Are you snoring? I literally, in two seconds, started snoring. She's like, you will not go to sleep until this baby comes out. So I'm like, yes, sir. <sighs> like, and Abram didn't come for another, I think, like, what, eight hours, nine hours or something like that? Ten? <sighs> she remembers. <laughs> Ten hours, and our beautiful baby boy was brought to this, in this world. And actually, he turns three tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. We did it. We have survived. We got to start potty training, so help us, Lord. I was thinking about it. I was waiting and waiting for something that I was so absolutely excited for. But I waited so long that I lost my ability to stay present in the process. Like, the, the, the process of, of, of child labor is sometimes long, it's, ex, it's extensive, it's vigorous, it's kind of scary, it's confusing on everything that's going on, right? It, it's a pretty overwhelming experience, and in that moment, I was waiting so much that I forgot how to stay present within the process. I lost my ability to stay present within the process. And I wonder if there's any of you in here tonight, when it comes to your life, that you have been waiting so long for something to take place. You've been waiting so long for God to move in your life. You've been waiting so long for that job to change, for that relationship to come for the feelings of loneliness to subside, for the addiction to break through. You have been waiting so long for something to change, but the longer you've waited, you've lost your ability to stay present within the process. You see, some of you, if you're being really honest tonight, you find yourself in a place that you're really not happy with. You find yourself in a place where you've been waiting, you've been sitting in the process. And you know that place that I'm talking about? I think that we've all been in that place. It's that season of life that just feels dry. It's that season of life where we feel like it's a desert. It's a season of life where we feel like we've lost all momentum. It's a season of life where we're confused and we have far more questions then we have answers, and I think we can all find ourselves in a place like this, and it's a place that doesn't feel prominent at all. It's a place that feels absolutely obscure, right? We find ourselves in a place like this, and you know what? It is so frustrating. 
Right? Can, can we be honest for a moment? Like being in a, in a place of life like this, it absolutely stinks sometimes. Let's not pretend like we're, we're perfect people. We don't have to uh, care for our image in this place, okay? We, we can be real people. Like being in a season of life like this absolutely stinks sometimes, being in a place of absolute obscurity. It's frustrating. But I was thinking about it this week because I was thinking about my life and I was thinking about my story. When we come to seasons like this and we're filled with frustration, it's usually not that we're frustrated about other people or external circumstances. It's usually because we're frustrated with God. We're frustrated with God because we thought that we should be at a different place that we're, that, than we are. And because we're still stuck in this place, we want to blame it on other people, our feelings and other things. But really what it is, is we have a frustration with God. And here's why we get frustrated with God. Here's why. It's because there are so many moments in life when we read the word or we feel like we hear something in prayer or someone speaks something over us in life or we come to a young adult service and we feel like during the worship or the message that God like speaks to us and challenges us and changes us and does something to us. And we feel these moments where God promises something, that God puts in front of us the potential of something new, something exciting, something different, right? You've been there where you came to a young adult on Thursday night and you walk away with your chest puffed out because you're like, God's about to do something in my life. But then the next morning, you're like, oh, snap, he didn't. And then like a few months go by and then you come in, in, to, to young adults again. You have a moment. Someone speaks something over you. You read your word and God says, says something new. He promises you something new to break through something in a new way and nothing changes. Nothing comes to fruition. And it doesn't feel like anything is coming anytime soon. And instead of staying present in the process, we get frustrated. And the more frustrated we get, we begin to stop trusting and we begin to start controlling. And the more we control, the more we try to control our future and we take out of God's hands what is his, which is our path and our future and our destiny. And we take it for ourselves and say, you're not moving, so I'm going to. You're not moving, so I'm going to. We put our future in our own hands, forgetting something very important, forgetting that if God placed me here, for the time being, he wants to keep me here. And for the time being, if he wants to keep me here, he wants to teach me something while I sit here. But we forget that. And so we move on. We move on from God. We move on from our integrity. We move on from our character. We move on from that job when God's saying, look, stay still. You see, when it comes to a relationship with God, Oftentimes, there is a process that precedes the promise, and more times than not, that process will look very different than how you want it to look. But you have to decide in those moments, do I run, do I jump ship, or do I stay present in the process? You see, the story of this man, Jairus, that I read about for an hour up top, I didn't realize how long that was. Dear Lord, sorry. The story about uh, uh, Jairus, he was a synagogue leader. So, so pretty much Jairus back then, he was a modern-day pastor. So when you think about Jairus, think about Sean Johnson, okay? Just put, every time you, I say Jairus, just think of Sean Johnson's face. I don't know if that's going to work out good for me, but just try that, okay? So Jairus was this synagogue leader, this modern-day pastor. 
But Jairus has this, this circumstance that he finds himself in. He has a daughter who's 12 years old, and she's on her deathbed. And at any moment, it's time-sensitive that his daughter could pass away from this earth. And so Jairus hears that Jesus is walking through town. And as any father, if your son or your daughter is hurting, sick, or scared, you will do anything you possibly can to protect. And so Jairus hears that there's this man who can heal. There's this man at one touch, at one look, at one word, can change your destiny forever. He hears about this man, and so it says that there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered around Jesus, but it says that Jairus boldly pursues, that Jairus works his way through the crowd and boldly approaches God like face-to-face, man-to-man, and looks at Jesus and, and begins to state his case. Jesus, look, this is who I am, but my daughter, she's sick. She's hurting, she's dying, and I need you to come to the house with me, and I need you to heal her. I love it. Bold. Not afraid. Not scared. For some reason, he knew that he could boldly approach Jesus. And what's amazing is Jesus says, all right, I'll come to your house. I'll come to your house. And Jairus is like, what? Okay, snap, let's do it. Like this moment right here, like Jesus doesn't audibly promise anything to him, but you know those feelings when you sit in a service and, and you're going through something and you feel like God just gives you this overwhelming peace where you're like, I, I, I know that God's about to do something in my life. I know that I'm about to have a breakthrough. I know that something is about to change in my life. Like this was Jairus in this moment. The God, Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to go to your daughter's house and I'm going to heal her. But Jairus knew deep down inside because he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. He knew what he was capable of. And if Jesus said that he would come to his house, Jesus knew that his daughter was about to get healed. And so they begin to walk to Jairus' house. And it's Jesus and Jairus and a few of his disciples. And there's crowds, hundreds, thousands of people sitting around Jairus and Jesus trying to come into contact with Jesus. And as they're walking to Jairus' promise, On the way to the fulfillment of Jairus' promise, his request to God, all of a sudden Jesus is interrupted. Jesus is interrupted by a woman who herself had had an issue. This woman, if you don't know the story, this woman had this issue of bleeding for 12 years. Coincidence that Jairus' daughter was 12 years old and this woman has a bleeding issue for 12 years? Probably not. But this woman has had this issue of bleeding for 12 years. And as Jesus is walking to Jairus' promise, all of a sudden Jesus feels this tug on the hem of his garment. And this woman was healed. This beautiful story, this woman was healed. And it says that Jesus stops. And he begins to have this conversation with this woman. And I picture Jairus in this moment, like standing there kind of like, okay, sick, Jesus. Uh, But my daughter's dying. Like, I I get it. 
she's got an issue too. Good for you. Uh, but Jesus, she's had her issue for 12 years. She could probably last six more hours, okay? So uh, Jesus, if, if we could go ahead and, and, and go to uh, my daughter's house because this is time sensitive. Like what, what you said, I need you to fulfill. Like you said it, so I need you to go ahead and come with me and fulfill the thing that you told me that you were going to do. And so he, he's sitting there and he's having this moment with, with Jesus, Jairus. He's sitting there. He's watching this thing unfold. Hey, I'm probably going to be a few more minutes, so you can keep playing as long as you want. But Sorry, that was awkward, but I'm new to this stage, so who cares? So Jairus is having this like moment. He's trying to figure out like what it is that he's supposed to do. What do I say to Jesus? And a side note here, I'm not saying that that wasn't Jairus, but a side note for you real quick is that sometimes we get so focused on what we want God to do in our lives that we fail to see all the things that God is doing around us in other people's lives. It's, I mean, this is, this is the life that, that we live. Look, can I tell you something? That learning how to celebrate other people's promises being fulfilled when your promise is not will be one of the most freeing things you'll ever experience in your life. Like every single one of us at some point or another will be looked over that someone else that doesn't deserve it as much will get what we think that we deserve. But learning that someone else's blessing is not an indictment on our own is one of the most freeing things that you'll ever experience. Like that will help you be a cheerleader and not a critic. Quit walking around this world being mad about what God's not doing for you and open your eyes to see what God's doing for other people. You know why? Because it'll strengthen your faith. You want your faith to be strengthened? When you're at young adults, open your eyes and see what God's doing in a place like this. Right? So too many times you come to young adults and you're sitting there like, man, but God's not moving in my life. God's not moving in my heart. Well, he is in a lot of other people's and God wants to do the same thing for you too, but your process is different than the person in front of you. Someone else's blessing and promise fulfillment isn't an indictment on your own. Side note, jump back. So he's waiting there for Jesus He's sitting there, he's waiting, he's watching this thing unfold, and he's like, okay, like, I, I saw my daughter when I left. I know that I don't have much time. And all of a sudden, like, a few guys begin to walk up to Jairus that are coming from the house where Jairus' daughter is at. And it's this moment where Jairus is, his friends, they're, like, walking up to him, and, and I feel like they're like, yo, who's going to tell him? I don't want to tell him. You, you tell him. So one of his boys goes up to Jairus and is like, yo, Jairus, uh, your daughter, she, she died. And Jairus said, no, 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 because I, I saw Jesus. I was just walking with Jesus. Jesus said that he, he was going to come to the house and that he was going to heal her. He, no, Jairus, bro, like, it's over. Like, she died. Like, Jairus, come, come, come on home. And literally, it says that his, his friends, whoever those people were, looked at Jairus and like, yo, leave, leave Jesus alone. They literally said, don't quit bothering him. Leave him alone. And so you have this moment where Jairus had to have felt hurt, angry, disappointed, upset. And what's amazing about this story is that Jesus overhears 
what's taking place. Jesus is healing this woman and caring for this woman, but his ears are open to what's happening here. Just because Jesus is working on someone else doesn't mean that his ears and his heart and his soul isn't still turned to you, okay? So Jesus has this moment. He's sitting there and he's He's overhearing these critics and what these people are saying. Like a lot of people are going to talk a lot of noise in your life, okay? Quiet them, because Jesus can, and he is. Jesus is sitting there, and he's, he's with this girl, and he's hearing it. He says, yo, Jairus, hey, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I feel like the Lord is screaming to some of you in this moment right now. Do not be afraid. Just believe. I haven't forgotten the promises that I've told you. I haven't forgotten about that moment where you were sitting in your room, bawling your eyes out when you felt my peace for the first time. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten about your desires. I haven't forgotten about the pain that you've been through. I haven't forgotten. I was with you in your darkest moment. I'm going to be with you when I lift you up. Like I, I, I haven't forgotten. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Have faith. You know what I love about this story? My favorite part, and I'll give a shout out to Luke Gregory, youth pastor. He gave this to me, so I'm going to steal it from him. Come on. No, I'm going to take it. Uh, Is during all of this, during the commotion, during all of this confusion, during all these feelings that Jairus had, you know what Jairus never did? Jairus never left the side of Jesus. In the middle of all of it, in the middle of like his darkness, in the middle of literally finding out that his daughter just died and the promise that he wanted was not fulfilled, he never left Jesus' side. And here's what I learned from this, is that he somehow knew the closer I stay to Jesus, the closer my promise is to being fulfilled. The, the, The closer you stay to Jesus, the closer you are to breakthrough. See, we have this propensity in life, okay? Let's get real for a moment. We have this propensity in life when things aren't going our way, when we're frustrated, when we feel like our dream is dead and our promise is gone and everybody else is receiving what we should be receiving. We have this propensity instead of leaning into Jesus and praising through and fighting through and worshiping through instead of leaning into Jesus and staying by his side. You know what we do? We oftentimes withdraw and then we become victims, we become victims. Man, yeah, God just doesn't care. God doesn't care about me like he cares for other people. God's not interested in my story. We allow ourselves to get to this place where we victimize ourselves. That God doesn't care, care for me. God doesn't care about what I want. And we live this life of disappointment. We get to this place in our relationship with Jesus Christ where all we feel is disappointed all the time. Well, let me tell you something. Who we are in seasons of disappointment say a lot about your character and a lot about your trust in Jesus Christ. If you're in a season of disappointment, and maybe that's you today, who you are in this time says a lot about your character and a lot about what you trust about Jesus. In this season of disappointment, can you keep your character? Can you keep your integrity? Can you keep vision for your life? Where there's no vision, the people will perish. You wonder why you're wandering all over the world not knowing what to do with your life? It's because you've lost vision for yourself. You're wandering. Can you keep the hope? Can you keep 
the faith. You see, sometimes you have to go through places you don't want to be so God can put you in a place that you need to be. Okay? Look, in the process is where God is trying to build something in you that cannot be rushed. That God is trying to build in you during the process. He's trying to build character. He's trying to build integrity. He's trying to build patience. He's trying to build strength. It can't be rushed. It can't be rushed. I've said this before here, and it's a cliche statement, but God sometimes has to do a work in you before he can do a work through you. Like, there's no other way around it. It's always been that way. It's going to continue to be that way. Abraham, there was a process that preceded the promise. Moses, a process that preceded the promise. Mary and Joseph, a process that preceded the promise. David, Peter, Paul, Jesus. Jesus lived this world to go through a process to be the fulfillment of the promise so that we can sit in here today and have free life, free of our sins. Jesus went through a process that preceded the promise. And because he did that, there was glory and glory and glory on the other side so that now it doesn't matter what, what you do, what you sin, what, what you feel. It matters about what he did and what you believe. Come on, it's good. There's a process that precedes the promise. God is building something in you that can't be built overnight. And I got to believe that God cares far more about what he does in you than what he does through you. And you know why? Because God loves you. He doesn't love what you do. You hear that? Come on, God, God's not concerned with what you do. Does he want you to do great things? That, that, that he builds something inside of you to do great things? Absolutely. But God loves you more than he loves what you do. Can you keep fighting through this process? Or are you going to fight the process? Look, hear me. Who you are in the process determines the greatness of your promise. Who you are in the process determines the greatness of your promise. And, and hear me. Look, if, if you feel like God has placed in front of you that, that one day you're going to be married and have kids, okay, awesome. Well, who you are right now in the process is going to change what the promise looks like. Yes, you might get married, but if you are the person you need to be right now in the process, you're going to be a better wife, you're going to be a better husband, better father. Who you are in the process determines the greatness of your promise, when everything in you wants to run or rush the process, will you stay present? Because usually, just on the other side of your opposition, God's ready to change the trajectory of your life and your destiny. If you're feeling opposition in your life like you've never felt before, praise God, because on the other side of that, Jesus is about to change things for you. Ben, you come on up. Psych, you're out here. You guys laugh a lot. I'm, I'm used to youth ministry, and they're like, dance, monkey, dance. So I appreciate it. I need that in my life. My wife doesn't laugh at me. I need you to. Um, so the story goes, and, and I'll end here in just a couple minutes, but the story goes where um, Jesus goes with Jairus to the house. They go to the house and 
there's a bunch of people wailing and crying. And I read up on this that people, even the poorest people in those days, would hire people to, to cry and wail. <laughs> Very interesting. I got an F on my test. I'm going to hire some people to cry for me. It was just fa- false intimacy. But Jesus goes to the house. There's crying and wailing. And Jesus says, look, this girl's not dead. She's just asleep. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And they began to laugh at Jesus. And Jesus said, be gone. And they left. And Jesus, Jairus, and the disciples went up to the daughter's room. Jesus took her by the hand and said, little girl, I tell you, get up. Little girl, I tell you, get up. Immediately, she gets up and walks. Sometimes your dreams aren't dead. They're just asleep waiting for you to arrive. Just waiting for you to walk through your process. Just waiting for you to push through. Just on the other side. Look, I, I, want, I want to be a pastor to you guys. You don't have to call me your pastor. You, you can give me six months. I'll try to my best to prove to you. But I, I want to be like as honest and as vulnerable with you guys as possible because just because I have a mic in my hand doesn't mean that I, I, I have anything better to say or my life looks any, any better than yours. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. Our stories are just different. But the beautiful thing is, whether you believe in Jesus or not, that every single one of us, we have something in common. That all of us are in need of a Savior, and all of us have gone through some junky stuff and some crappy stuff in life, and we're in need of a Savior. And some of you know, I, when I spoke to the fellas, and I, I kind of shared a little bit of a story, but, uh, you know, last year was, for me and my wife, we'd both stand up here and tell you that last year was the absolute worst year of our life. Um, some, a lot of it self-inflicted. A lot of it not. But I had this moment, like, we got tons of counseling, like, together, tons of counseling in all sorts of ways, just trying to figure out life. I felt like I was so confused. I had no vision for my life. And I just remember God, like, speaking to me in moments and and, and showing me in moments, like, Andrew, there's more. I haven't left you, Andrew. I haven't forsaken you. I haven't turned my back on you. But I remember God speaking very clearly like, Andrew, who you are right now is going to determine what it looks like in the future. Who you are today, Andrew, determine what tomorrow is going to look like. And I remember having this thing rise up in me like, I hate my life right now. My life is not what I want it to be. It does not look how I want it to look. But I'm going to fight to live with character. I'm going to fight to live with integrity. I'm going to fight to stay next to Jesus. And man, was it a fight. Holy cow. Some of y'all in here today. Where one day, I felt like I had it, where I was whooping life, and then the next day, life was whooping me. But I felt God just keep reminding me, Andrew, I still hear you. I still see you. I haven't forgotten. A long year, but we pressed through. And can I say tonight, this is why this night's special to me. 
in a lot of ways, more than any of you will ever understand other than my wife. That holding this mic in my hand, being on the stage with you guys, is a fulfillment of over a year ago, Jesus saying, Andrew, I still see you. I haven't forgotten you. I still have big things for you. And it's not necessarily just about young adults. It's about just my life in general. But standing on the stage is kind of a culmination of this moment. When Jesus promised, Andrew, there's more. I don't know where you stand today. I don't know what your process looks like. I don't know if you're in a great place, a horrible place. You're frustrated with life. But I do believe that there's more. But you're stuck right in the middle of it. But can you choose to stay present? Can you choose to stay loyal? Can you choose to stay committed? Can you choose to stand next to Jesus when other people around you, their promises might be getting fulfilled? When it feels like your promise is dead, can you stand next to Jesus and say, as long as I'm next to you, there's still hope for my future? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for uh, everyone present tonight. Uh, Man, Lord, I'm just genuinely honored to be here. And Lord, I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for your promises. And Lord, no one's here by accident. I got two questions for you guys tonight. First question is this, is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But man, the second I started talking about this, you're like, bro, that's me. That's me. And if I'm being honest, I've kind of been wandering. I've kind of been going down a path I probably shouldn't, but it's all just because I feel like God has forgotten about me. But you're saying tonight, you know, I kind of want to like, I want to recommit tonight to Jesus. Recommit to being present in this process. If that's you, would you slip up your hand all across this place? Yeah, holy cow, that's a lot to you. Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. Thanks for being honest. Second question is this, is that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So all this that I've been talking about really hasn't meant a ton to you. But you know deep down inside your heart that God's doing something. That God's like challenging your heart. That you're feeling something in your life that you've never felt before. And maybe the process of your entire life, the good, the bad, the ugly, has brought you to this place right here. February 7th, 2019 in Lakewood, Colorado at Red Rocks Church, Young Adults. And your whole process of your life has brought you to this one moment right here. You're in here tonight. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But you're saying, Andrew, I'm not sure what it looks like, but I desire that. I want that. If that's you in here, would you slip up your hand in this place? Amen. 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 If that's you in here with heads bowed and eyes closed, begin to pray to God, maybe for the first time. You don't have to say anything specific. We're not going to make you do anything. But just pray to God for the first time. Tell him, like, God, forgive me of my sins. God, I believe in you. I trust you. I give my life to you. I believe that you went to the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and through you is new life. Just begin to talk to him in your own words. Nothing specific. 
Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you that for your promises, God, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. That you love us, that you went to the cross for us, that there is a plan for our life, there is a future for our life, there is a hope for our life. Jesus, thank you. Come on, across this place with your with heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't care what you do, just begin to thank God. Could you, in your own words, just begin to thank God for what he's done in your life, for the provisions in your life. Come on, even if you feel like you're in the worst place of life right now, come on, there's something Begin to talk to him in your own words. Begin to thank him. moment just thanking them Jesus thank you Lord we love you we thank you God we praise you and everybody said